गोरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए मॉर्निंग वेलकम सो वी आर गैदर्ड ऑन दी स्पेशियस ओकेजन ऑफ द अपीयरेंस ऑफ चैतन्य महाप्रभु वी हैविंग अ बिट ऑफ अ फेस्टिवल इन दिस कनेक्शन एंड बिगन ऑन एक्चुअली ऑन सैटरडे नाइट we've been discussing since then and we've been discussing the idea of finding chaitanya mahaprabhu in bhagavad gita and it's been an interesting exploration and discovery and of course today we have a bit of a what could be called an interruption in the uh, flow of such discussions given that uh, we're also gathered to commemorate the appearance of sri guru for uh, all of my students i happen to have the fortune of coming in the world on the day before uh, the purnim in the month of 1949 so i'll try to speak at any rate this morning in such a way by continuing our theme of sorts uh that it being the appearance of chaitanya mahaprabhu and at this point in the discussion finding him in the gita in such a way that it somehow ties in with the um the event the the event commemorating the advent of the acharya and uh that'll be followed by some simple uh ceremony throwing of things and <laughs> waving of fans and lights and things like like this and heartfelt expressions um and then kirtan aarti to the deities and mahaprasad and so then we go into the evening continue further we we'll probably ask for questions at that time <clears throat> as we have been over, over the years in the evenings so we'll pick up where we left off last night in a very exciting place we were on the edge of our seats and ran out of time so where were we we were uh able to we we were allowed an entrance into a very private um moment <clears throat> in in the uh, psychology of bhagavan shri krishna uh, opened to us by the very uh, graceful uh, the venerable by the, by the grace of the very uh, venerable shri uh, krishnas kaviraj goswami the uh, author of chaitanya charitamrita and another number of other books but most famously for his chaitanya charitamrita which is in some respects the last word on gaudiya vaishnavism that uh, all other words follow in in the footsteps of the the understanding of chaitanya mahaprabhu his his the significant significance of his advent and the nature of his dispensation and so forth as understood by rupa goswami is very much brought out here accurately by krishnas kaviraj and in in an effort to bring it to the public by way of writing it in 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 bangla in bengali script 
taking it from Sanskrit and so forth, which was even at the time not a language that the common people had uh, familiarity with. Hmm? So they put the teachings in Bengali, and it, it kind of like, goes, as I said before, the Goswamis kind of took the divinity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appearing as he did in Bengal, respected and understood to some extent uh, by, the, by the locals, if you will, uh, different religious conceptions they had about him, um, all of them identifying him as, as divine in some respect. And uh, the Goswamis took that um, and kind of universalized the reality of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by writing about him deeply, of course, and, and in Sanskrit, which was the universal kind of religious language for the scholars and, and so forth. And so he, they sought the Goswamis to bring him into the um, wider religious circle of, of thinkers and experiencers and so forth, his, his divinity. Hmm? And now we have Krishnas taking him back to the people of, uh, of Bengal and giving him, them, the Goswamis, ex- experience of him and so forth and sorting out all of the different theological insights that came to people about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which would be uh, accurate, which would be inaccurate, how many could be included in one and so forth. It's a huge a very extraordinary spiritual exercise, this book, Chaitanya Charitamrita. So it's full of deep insights as to the nature of, well, Krishna, as we said last night. And um, we don't find such insights into the deity of Krishna anywhere else, in any other sampradaya, in any other religious tradition. Um, as I said last night, no one flatters Krishna as much as the Godias. So... To love him is to know him. They know him <laughs> like nobody else does. And uh, so here, Krishna thus gives us a window. After he manifests his leela in the world uh, and disappeared, he began to think. That's, the world is useless without praying bhakti. It has no charm for me, no meaning whatsoever. People are interested in things, in powers, in freedom, liberation, uh, some kind of dutiful love, but about me, nobody cares <laughs> what I'm about. And I would like to make what I'm about available to others in a systematic way. And uh, so he's thinking along these uh, lines and uh, um, bringing us into kind of the inner life of Bhagawan, what makes him tick and so forth. And the idea being that, well, if you become interested in what he's about, hmm, then you get his attention in a way that you could not otherwise. If you're interested in what he can give, what's a, he can give powers, he can give things, he can give liberation, he can give um, all kinds of things. But... Uh, interest in those things doesn't draw his attention in the same way that interest in his own affairs. And this is Prem Bhakti, because we cannot separate the two, as I said last night. We cannot separate the, the, the charibhav, the four bhavas of braj, dasya sakya vatsalya madurya, hmm, from Bhagavan Sri Krishna. They're inseparable. You cannot have one 
without the other. This is the Yachinta Beda Bed kind of uh, metaphysic formula way of talking about it theologically. Uh, but in a more common language, you can't have a student without a teacher. You can't have a loved uh, a love without a lover. Uh, you can't have love without an object of love, and so forth and so on. So the nature of that love is very special. Thus, thus the, the absolute is appearing in a very um, uh, special way in, turn, in, 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 an int, in a form that, provide, that facilitates love and intimacy. Hmm? We have... We have leelas of intimacy, leelas of majesty, leelas of creation. Hmm? Madhurya leela, Aishwarya leela, Shrishti leela. Hmm? This is the Madhurya leela, sweet leela. Hmm? These charibhav, dasya sakya vatsalya madhurya, as I said before, these are the primary forces of the world as conceived by the Goswamis. They didn't think that electromagnetism and gravity and strong and weak nuclear forces were the real powers of the world. These were things that, that, that the objective side of the world, hmm, matter, um, it, 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 uh, we, we could find in them once that matter is turned on, if you will, hmm, as they saw it by consciousness. And so they were more concerned with the subjective side, the nimitakaran, hmm, if you will, the instrumental cause rather than the ingredient cause of the world, the will, hmm? uh, the consciousness that, uh, that drives the world as they understood it. And we do have these two things, matter and consciousness. Hmm? We have the measured and the measurer. Hmm? The latter is more important. And the Goswamis, these are great acharyas, teachers in our line, they understood this. And this so this is what they, they focused on. This is what they're preoccupation. They looked at the objective world only from the vantage point of, of pursuing this, the possibilities in the subjective reality, the, the, the underlying reality of consciousness. And so these Dasya Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya, these were the, the, the primary forces of the world. And really they are, even, even in a reflected sense. They, they drive the world. As I've said before, you could be a scientist in your lab, you know, doing your experiment and, and what's important. And if you get a call that, you know, your, your wife has been taken to the hospital, then you're going to drop everything and go there. Or if your son is um, won an award or, 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 or whatever. So the, 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 the Madhurya, the, the, these Vatsalya, Sakya and Dasya, so these are driving the world. Hmm? That's what makes the world go around, these sentiments of, of love. So, this was their preoccupation, and they wanted to see how to look, what, what, what possibility there was, how to plumb the depths of these driving forces, and they, they sought to center them properly hmm? on their source. This is what Krishna means. So here he is now, Krishna Das Kavira, is giving us some wonderful insight um, that only a Gaudiya would have. Uh, that, uh, Krishna left the world, and he had a thought afterwards. Hmm? He had come in one sense to showcase his leela, but as we'll see here, uh, there were some problems with that. So, uh, we discussed the, the preface to, <clears throat> to, to the citing here uh, of Krishna's Kaviraj of, of four verses from the Gita <clears throat> that he thinks speak about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. 
And so we'll see his, uh, his reasoning, his evidence for this, his ecstasy, really, um, <clears throat> and how compelling it is. He, say, he quotes famous verse from the Gita, two fir- very famous verses. First, Yada yadahi dharmasya glani bhavati bharata abhitanama dharmasya tadatmanam sijameham paritranaya sadhunam vinashayat shaduskritam dharma samsta panartaya sambhavami yuge yuge these verses are from the Avatar Tattva uh, section of the fourth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. This is a very nice section. Uh, the, 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 ver- the chapter itself is about Jnana Yoga, the Yoga of Knowledge, but it's prefaced by this um, uh, substantial section, as I say, about Avatar Tattva. Avatara means, Tara means to cross. Ava means like, Avatara means to cross from up to down. So it speaks about uh, the... The, the advent within the, the world of our frame of reference, of time and space, and the advent of, of, of the supernatural within the natural world. Hmm. And uh, it's a big topic, obviously. Um, we ourselves, ourselves, in a sense, are a form of of an avatar, of a descent. We are of a spiritual nature, a supernatural nature, and we appear in a natural world. <clears throat> Mostly we, we, we make the world move. Aparayam itvastanyam prakritim vidime param jivabhutu mahabaho yayedam dharyate jagat. Sustain the world. We make the world go, go round, so to speak. How? This is, of course, the question in in modern science, well, if consciousness is a force in the world, how can we, why can't we measure it like every other force and see it? Well, the answer lies in understanding the nature of the observer. Hmm? Why can't we observe it? What is observation? Hmm? What is that? How different is that from that which is observed? Hmm? And how, and why it will function differently? Hmm? Uh, entirely differently than than the, than the than the objective world that it that it turns on, and so so to try to look at it hmm, from that vantage point, how why we can't measure it like we can measure the objective world. Hmm? Well, we can't measure it because it's not objective. Hmm? It's the measurer can a ruler measure itself. Hmm? So, but by and large, the idea is that. Uh, w- that consciousness moves the world by looking at it. Hmm? There's power in observation. Hmm? Some things happen only because somebody's watching. Hmm? So, so it is with the world. Hmm? There's power in observation. Hmm? And it's not measurable in the way that forces of the objective world, like gravity and so forth, are are measurable. This is the idea. And of course, we offer a methodology by which you can enter into the experience of that. But people are troubled by the distance that you may have to travel to make that experiment. Hmm? Hmm. They want to make it simpler. Why can't you just show us? We, we are just showing you, but it, but it requires a, a considerable uh, measure of objectivity. Yoga is very um, much calls upon us to be objective in as much as detachment is about objectivity. If I'm too close, mothers called her blind son Padmalochan, hmm? yeah. lotus-eyed. So this is the bias of, of 
of, of love, of affection, of, of attachment. Hmm? Uh, it is said that love turns faults into ornaments, something like that. So to, st- w- to step back from a thing gives us a chance to see it for what it is. Gaudiya Vaishnavism asks us just to take a small step back hmm? and look at the world from a different vantage point and then enter into it. Hmm? That is Krishna. He's fully in the world. <laughs> too full, too fully in the world and too worldly for some to appreciate his divinity, it, it would appear. We need a wealth of theology and philosophy to support his divinity hmm? uh, and how he is in the world but not of the world. Hmm? Appearing in the world but not of the world. Hmm? He acts in a very extreme way, if you will, uh, which would seem to implicate him in the world, just, just to further emphasize this point. Hmm? So it's a very world-embracing, actually, theology, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. If we understand it properly, we come into the, into, the, into the flow of bhakti from two tracks in this world, basically. A taking track and a, and a renouncing track, a boga and tyag, uh, a karma and jnana. And we import these influences, to some extent, into our understanding of bhakti. And sometimes we get a karma-oriented bhakti or a, a jnana-oriented bhakti. This is a little problematic. We think if something's really happening, if there's a lot of people involved, there's buildings, there's money, and think something must be happening there. I'll join that group. <laughs> something like that. Uh, some years ago, I've told a story some years ago, I met a, a, uh, a devotee somewhere and uh, he said, oh, Maharaj, I hear you're in California now and preaching there. And I said, yes. And he said, how many devotees at your place? I said, four. <laughs> and he like, like was visibly like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have asked. There's <laughs> only four people there. It must not be happening. <laughs> I was quite, uh, I found it quite humorous. Hmm. So if there's a lot of people, or if he's only eating Tulsi leaves on Ikadasi, something like that, something's going on there. Hmm? If, you're, if you have collected a lot of things, or if you can give up all kinds of things, then you have attraction from a worldly perspective. It's interesting that tyag, or bairagya, begets karma, in a sense. Bairagya, detachment, begets enjoyment. Enjoy, it goes both ways. Hmm? Um, there was a guy that used to stand on the parikram around Vrindavan on one leg hmm? with his hair all in a you know big knot like this and he used to smoke pot to keep standing there all the time. Some kind of, some kind of yogi. And uh, he stood on one leg, kind of. Not it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little kind of a arm swing that was assisting him, and uh, and eventually there were, he had a group of them that were there, and 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 people came and gave money and, and built big thing and so on and so forth. And well, I visited him once. He offered me a, a toke. <laughs> so anyway, his his tag invited all kinds of enjoyment and facilities and, and, and so on and so forth, his renunciation. So these are just the two tracks of the world. Now there are systematic ways to harness the karmic tendency, the taking tendency, 
and their renouncing tendency. We call this the karma mark, the gown mark, that try to harness, harness them in such a way, those tendencies, that they'll be productive of something meaningful hmm, and spiritual. But that will, those ways, if we study them carefully, include factoring in some bhakti. Hmm? And bhakti, indeed, is the middle path. One can't be too renounced or too, too much of an enjoyer. One has to have a little propensity for enjoyment and a little propensity for detachment to enter into bhakti, because bhakti will call for that. Sometimes you have to enjoy in the context of bhakti. Hmm? Darn it. <laughs> and, and sometimes you have to go without also. Hmm? <coughs> but this all in the context only, of, if it will please Bhagwan in a particular instance, hmm? one way or the other makes no difference to me. And so it's really not taking or, or you know, enjoying or, or renouncing, but loving Bhagwan hmm? and harmonizing these two, uh, two tendencies. So... So anyway, we come into the, to the, the stream of, of, of bhakti. Pujapachita Marsh once described it like the Ganges, and there are other tributaries that come from the glacier as well, but they only reach the Bay of Bengal hmm? if they connect with the Ganga itself. She has such power. So with karma and gyan, if they connect with bhakti, then they have fruit, they have results. They can enter the Bay of Bengal, which is the success of the river to enter the ocean, in a sense, to make the whole journey from the glacier from from water to water and back again. So, so bhakti. Little difficult to uh, to understand in one sense. There's no. What do you get for it? You get bhakti for it only. <laughs> You get more opportunity to serve. That's it. I get to serve, and what do I get for that? I get more service. Exactly. So, this is what, of course, uh, Gaudi Vaishnavism is teaching, and and to to the extreme. And um, here, he's we we hear about Krishna's descent, avatar into the world to exemplify bhakti. To um, uh, uh, here, it says his advent is threefold in its purpose to to uh, primarily to, to cater to the devotees, the sadhakas, to, to uh, in the context of that, to establish dharma and to deal effectively with those who are opposed to, um, to, to the dharma. So threefold, but primarily one thing, to, to cater to the devotees. Hmm? Um, and, and when... Does he do it? Well, he said, whenever. Hmm? He said, yada yada hi dharmasi. Whenever there is some moral and spiritual decay, it's possible he will advent, make this descent. And particularly it says, sambhavami duge duge. Yuga after yuga. Hmm? Um, uh, he makes his appearance. Hmm? So, in quoting this, Kaviraj Goswami wants to say a couple of things here. He, he wants to say that Krishna comes in every yuga. This is the basic idea. We'll give a general explanation. Krishna comes in every yuga, and um, therefore he must come in the Kali Yuga. This is the Kali Yuga. So there must be an advent of Krishna in Kali Yuga. And... Um, 
this was a point that, as we think about it, it was raised by, by Gopinath Acharya in his discussion with Sarvabhoma when a young Chaitanya Dev came from Bengal, having just taken sannyas at the age of 24, and, and came before the deity of Jagannath and fainted in ecstasy and, and caused a, a commotion. The guards didn't know what to do with a person like this. Uh, Sarvabhoma came in and uh, um, uh, catered to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and later he had this discussion, and he wanted to school this young lad in uh, in logic, which he was very um, well known for. Still today, it's it's noted in the texts of of today's world that Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya is the greatest logician of all of uh, India. He's the one who made Navadvip famous. The seat of learning was Matila, and he went there and he studied the books there that they wouldn't allow to leave, and he memorized them, brought them back to Navadvip, and created the Navadnyaya. Hmm? a new type of uh, logic and, and, and so forth that eventually made Navadvip the seat of, of learning, hmm? that Nimai Pandit, the young Chaitanya, became kind of the, the prince of, of Nadia and, and of learning. Now he had taken sannyas. Hmm? He'd come to Puri. And in s- discussing with Gopinath about him, uh, he asked some personal questions. Where does he come from? Who is his family? And so forth. And Gopinath said, oh, he, he comes from, from, from Nadia. He's the son of Jagannath Mishra, whose grandfather was Nilambar Chakravarti. And Sarabhoma says, wait a minute, my, my father was a school friend's uh, mate with Nilambar Chakravarti. Hmm? And he had great regard for Jagannath Mishra. And so this kind of close uh, quasi-family uh, connection that he had with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became known to him. And, and and this is the Nimai Pandit, and he's become Sri Krishna Chaitanya now as a sannyasi. And so out of great affection, really, Sarvabhoma wanted to, and he was attracted to him. He was very charming, very beautiful. Sarvabhoma wanted to um, have an intimate relationship with him, and he, in his practice, is, was very much in his life, was to teach sannyasis the, the, the logic of... Hmm, to sup- Kind of the logic that would support their sannyas. There is there is some you know wisdom to the uh, the uh, uh, well in our school to the love of God that we're interested in wise love. There's some Vedanta. Hmm? There's some math that underlies, if you will, the, the music or the or the art of of Krishna Lila. And so it's like. A lot of people like me because I'm their guru and I, I don't know, I talk nicely or I'm friendly, maybe I can sing, I have other qualities and so forth. And, and so, but they need to know also well, what I'm about, what is the philosophy that underlies, that makes me move and so forth. Without acquaintance with that, a superficial sentiment won't go too far when I say, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thought he was really nice, <laughs> but he, you know, he, he, he handled me a little bit roughly there. Now I'll go away, something like that. That can happen. We get close. He can be guru can be very sweet, and he can be very Prabhupada said, but like soft like a rose and hard like a thunderbolt, something like that. Hmm? 
So to be prepared for the thunderbolt, Prabhupada liked the thunderbolt himself when he received it from his Gurudev. He thought, Gurudev is giving me attention. He's speaking so strongly to me. He says, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do something else. It's, the, it's really, if the bar guru is pleased with us, it's one thing. If he's displeased with us, it's another thing. Hmm? Those are acceptable. But if he becomes or she becomes indifferent to us, that is a problem. He thinks, then she thinks, nothing I can do here. Hmm? This, this we don't want. Hmm? So, Sarabhama was very affectionate towards Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? He wanted to instruct him in Vedanta, which he was expert in himself, his own estimation and the estimation of others, and logic and so forth. So to give him some strong kind of foundation, and he was, after all, he was was a young man and very attractive and so forth, and he was going to renounce the world. It's a big, tall order. Hmm? But Gopinath objected. And you're going to teach him, what are you going to teach him? He's Bhagwan. Krishna himself. So Harabhama said, <laughs> oh, you're a little lightheaded this morning. Uh, you know, I, I see he's very special. You know, he's entered into a trance and all, but let's not get carried away here. Hmm? And so some discussion ensued and the followers of Sarvabhama there, they wanted logic and so forth. And, and uh, Gopinath asserted, well, you know, that the Shastra is real evidence. And he quoted Shastra and in a number of ways, and uh, Sarvabhoma um, more or less said, well, you know, there's a lot of interpretations of scripture. Hmm? Uh, Gopinath replied, well, you can't understand the actual, the proper understanding of scripture because uh, about Bhagavan, who is and who isn't, what are his symptoms and qualities, because you haven't received his mercy. Sarvabhoma said, well, how do, you, how do we know someone got his mercy? Hmm? So they kind of reach a stalemate. Really, although Gopinath's arguments were strong, there was a stalemate, and Mahaprabhu was called for along with his associates. Hmm. Eventually, of course, we know that Mahaprabhu converted Sarvabhoma by silence, hmm. by saying nothing. He converted him, hmm. uh, which we'll go on about this because what we're coming to here is the idea that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught by his example, hmm. as we'll see as we go as we go on with the discussion of the Gita verses that follow. Hmm. Uh, uh, but this was his main main thrust. Hmm. So, well, what were the, some of the verses that Gopinath cited, of course, were typical verses from Bhagavatam and other scripture, Mahabharata, that, uh, that we see as supporting evidence, even greater, more direct supporting evidence than we're finding in verses that are being cited here in the Gita. Okay, so he comes in every yuga. So, okay, somebody comes in the Kali Yuga, but it's, it's, you have to go a little further to, to, to make your case that it's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, the, and this particular person and so forth. Hmm? So, yeah, he made some nice arguments. I mean, he cited uh, Sarvabhuma countered with, well, that actually... Bhagavan only appears in three yugas, therefore his name is Triyuga, as mentioned in the Vishnu Sahasranam Triyuga. And Sarabhama Sukhopinath said, well, you know, actually the understanding of Triyuga is that he, he, he appears in three yugas, but in the Kali Yuga he appears in a covert way, as stated in the Bhagavatam, Chanakolo. In Kali he comes, Prahlada said, in a hidden way, in an indirect way. And Nana Shastra Vidhanena, 
Nanatantridhanena Kalu Api Tatasrinu Krishna Varnam Tisakrishna Sangu Pangastra Parjitam Yagnai Sankirtana Prayer Yajantihi Sumeda Saha. He quotes like this from Bhagavatam. Hmm? Nice verse that Karabhajana uh, Muni uh, says to Maharaj Nimi that I've told you about the three avatars for the different yugas, for Satya Yuga, Treta Yuga, Dwarpa Yuga. Now listen. He's already listening. Hmm? <laughs> he says, now listen carefully, because I'm going to tell you something about Kali Yuga avatar, and this is hard to get. This is the implication. Nana Tantra Vidhanena. The method of worshipping him is found in the Tantra. We're going from the Vedic side to the Tantric side. Hmm? It's the feminine side of the, of the Agamas and Pancharatrika literatures and so forth, so prominent in Gaudiya Vaishnava, where the Shakti takes takes precedence and so forth. And all of our procedures for worship, all coming from there. The mantras, the procedures for the archan, uh, and, 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 and so forth. Um, so, uh, so, from there we, we find the means for worshipping, he says. Now listen about that, that avatar. Krishna Varnam Tisakrishnam, a very famous verse from the 11th canto. Uh, just, if we hear about it from Jiva Goswami, Jiva Goswami was the first to write about this in a book that he that entitled Sarvasamvadini, which is a kind of a commentary on his own book, Satsandarbha, sixfold uh, treatise on, on the, uh, uh, what the Bhagavatam is really saying. Sandarbha means like a like a necklace. It's a tying together of many verses of the Bhagavatam into a necklace uh, uh, and uh, connecting them and, and illustrating certain uh, central points to our, 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 our lineage. Hmm? And um, so, in the Sarvasambhadana, he wrote on this verse and showed how it speaks about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And if you read that explanation, you think, yeah. <laughs> Well, obviously, I mean, it didn't take a lot, you know, but uh, it's pretty clear. But nobody previous to him uh, had uh, thought of that. Of course, he did. The, he writes there that I'm writing this under the auspices of Sanatana and Rupa. Hmm? So the ideas were there in Rupa Goswami. The ideas were there in Sanatana Goswami. Hmm? They, Sanatana Prabhu wrote a commentary on Bhagavatam, but he actually, he didn't, I had thought originally that he had he had written, but I discovered uh, in later that it was Jiva Goswami who first commented on this verse in a way as to demonstrate that, that in speaking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Again, under the auspices of Rup and Sanatan, his elders. Hmm. So, very nice verses. Verse from Mahabharata. Hmm. Uh, what is it? Suvarna Marnahe Mango Varnangas Chandanagadi Sanyasakachamashanto Nishtashanti Parayana. It's eight names of, of, of God. This is in the Vishnu Sahasranam found in Mahabharata. Eight names of God. Four of them, we studied, they pertain to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's householder Leela. And four of them to his son Nyas Leela. Grihijana Shikshaka Nyasi Kula Nayaka. Sridharmar sings. Grihijana Shikshaka. That he, in his household life, he taught how to be an exemplary devotee as a householder. Grihijana Shikshaka. So nice. Uh, householder life is more the common fare, the common approach 
to uh, to bhakti, and he exemplified in Nadia the perfection of the householder life by his example. He taught that guhijana shikshaka and nyasi kula nayaka. Nayaka is a very nice term. It means it means a hero. There are sixty-four different kinds of hero in the in the in the, in the um, Ras Shastra, the Shastra that uh, deals with um, the the ingredients and the uh, the methodology for for writing poetry and drama and so forth, uh, um, kind of the, the grammar of of drama and the arts. Hmm? Books like Sahitya Darpana and Bharat Shastras and Bharat Natyam and Bharat. These kind of things. So, Rupa Goswami is thought to have used those hmm, as a framework to explain Bhagawan. There's another way of looking at that, of course, too. That those were used; those were a partial understanding of what the Bhagavatam is speaking about. There's a nice tika on the first verse of the Bhagavatam that uh, brings that out by Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. So, many thoughts in many directions here, but uh, but. <clears throat> Arts, the drama, uh, Shastra, where were we? <laughs> uh, hmm. You're following worse than I am. Uh, yeah, I know we're there somewhere. Grihijana shikshaka nyasikula nyayaka. So there's 64 types of nyayakas, heroes. And it, it means, in the, in the literature, it means lovers, types of male lovers. Here he's described in the, in the poetry of Sridhar Maharaj, Nasikula Nayaka. He's the hero of the sannyasis also. <laughs> I like that part. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, sannyas is a bit of a, a bit artificial in, 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 in Gaudiya Sampradaya. It has its purpose and so forth. And, and then we should all be renounced in, in, in the context of bhakti some may formally accept such a position. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did so hmm, for a purpose. So, um, so four names: hmm, Suvarna, Varna, He, Mango, hmm, Varnangas, Chandanagari. Hmm. Suvarna, Varna. So he, he it means he had a golden complexion. Suvarna, Varna, He, Mango. Uh, his 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 limbs were. Like gold, attractive, like molten gold is attractive if you would see it. Suvarna Varna Hemongo Chandana Changana he had he decorated with sandalwood paste. Varna Anga also means just uh extremely his, his beautiful his or his, his his limbs were uh, themselves ornaments. Sometimes it said this is how he made the conversion. Hmm? These were his Ornaments, his arms raised and dancing. These were his weapons. Suvarna varna himango varnangas chandanagati. Then sannyasakuchamashantu nishta shanti prayanaha. That's describing the disposition of the sannyasi and so forth. So, so Gopinath cited this from Mahabharata. He cited the Bhagavatam verses, as I say. But, you know, they lend themselves to different interpretations. So, Sarvabhoma was not converted by that. Hmm? And this brings us to a point that we raised the first night when we began our discussions, and we cited the eleventh verse of the fourth chapter of the Gita, Jedatamam Prapadyante, as evidence for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. These interpretations of Scripture are really 
an example of bhava and bhava bhas hmm, on the part of devotees. That's what they are. Hmm? Uh, they're not objective, I mean to say. They're subjective. They're the feelings that devotees draw from the text. And we may be drawn to say, well, wait a minute. You know, that's not what it's really saying. But the point is, if it gives one that kind of feeling, that, that's what the book has the power to do. If it's approached properly, that it can cause one to see things in it that otherwise could not be seen. And the fact that they're being seen is evidenced by the conduct of the devotees that follows that, which is extraordinary and compelling in a way that far exceeds any kind of logical reasoning, or if it's said directly, Chaitanya appears at this time in this way, and so on and so forth. Hmm. I find, personally, these types of evidences far more compelling. Hmm. And this, of course, brings us to the whole uh, idea, well, so... He comes in every yuga, therefore he comes in Kali Yuga, and you're building this case and so forth. But, you know, why should we believe in Kali Yuga? This is the, I mean, for the modern times, this becomes then a, a problem. Well, that sounds good for 500 years ago. Hmm? That's why we have to go to this other point that I'm raising that, that what these are, these interpretations of Scripture, these findings, if you will, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the sacred texts. They are examples of the very thing that, that, that we want. They're examples of divinity manifesting. You're saying, I don't see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's appearing right there in the heart of the devotee. Hmm? And he's seeing him in the book. And because he's seeing him, he's acting in such a way as if he's seeing him. Hmm? Is he not seeing him? Hmm? It's, it's, and his actions or her actions are compelling. Hmm? Attractive. That's what causes us to, to join such a sect. That they're dancing and chanting and they're all excited about it. And they're just so they're so consumed by it that you just drawn in and later you figure it out and you say, I didn't know they were teaching that. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> but now I'm stuck in here and, <laughs> and I can't get out. And now I got a reason about it and make sense out of it and so forth. <laughs> so uh, bhakti, in other words, bhakti begets bhakti, bhakti sanjataya bhakti, only by bhakti will bhakti be fostered and so forth. Hmm? So, you know, yeah, but who, why, why should we believe, believe in Kali Yuga to begin with? It doesn't match with, uh, you know, modern history and archaeological findings. It, it, it's the whole Yuga cycle idea posits this idea that there were human life existing for long, long periods of time. That uh, So, you know, into the dustbin with, uh, you know, with such such ancient texts and so forth. But no, it's a misunderstanding of the texts themselves, which do posit this idea of cyclical time and yuga cycles and so forth, but nowhere. Hmm? You see, what, what, is, what, what the Bhagavad is, what the Gita is, what all these sacred texts are, are a very different angle of vision on the world. Hmm? They're only looking at the world for the purpose of understanding the subjective element of it, consciousness, and exploring the possibilities of consciousness. Hmm? You can't even touch the external world anyway from their perspective. From our perspective, we can never even touch matter. Hmm? No wonder it's not satisfying. <laughs> you never even get it. The soul, this atma never even touches the, the, the world. We only experience our experience of it, which is just 
kind of like quasi-consciousness, qualia, quasi-consciousness. Uh, it's how consciousness experiences the gross world in the, in the mind. Hmm? Just witnessing the whole thing. Hmm? This is, it's right of the Gita. Gita says, Prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasa. Hmm? The brain's doing everything. That's a modern translation. The brain's doing everything that you think you're doing. Hmm? But it also says, but you're not a brain. What about that? <laughs> huh? We can find so many things in the brain are actually causing much of what we do and so forth that we think we're the cause of. Hmm? And therefore the question is, well, who is the we in there? We'll find them, some neuron firing or a combination of them or something. Uh, of course, it's a bit elusive, hard to catch that fellow, that, that self in there. Because hmm? hmm? it's, of course, not part of the brain. That's the teaching of the Gita twofold. It agrees with modern science. Yes, everything you're doing is really being done by the brain. Prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasa. Ahankaravimudatma kartahomitimanyate. The jeev thinks that that activities that are actually being performed by the material nature, by modes of nature, are his own. Hmm? Yeah. When actually they're not. Of course, the next verse then goes on to speak about, but there are other people who don't think, hmm, to haven't identified with the brain or with the modes of nature entirely. Hmm? So it goes on to say, but while that's true, the brain is doing most of these things. You're not the brain at the same time. Hmm? Now, how to, how to experience that? This is the idea of, uh, of yoga. So these are very different perspectives, the modern scientific perspective, for example, and the, uh, the, the, the Vedanta perspective on how looking at the world. They don't really compete with one another in detail. They only compete for, in terms of which offers more value to, 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 to humanity. One, in modern science, is, is, is pushing forward the measured is where it's at. And, and the Godias are pushing for the measurer is where it's at. <laughs> that's, that's, and the measurer can't be measured, so where are we at? Where have we arrived now? What possibilities are there? Hmm? As if the measured is, is, is what is of value, then the world gets pretty narrow, pretty small and pretty mean. Because hmm? there's only so much to measure. <laughs> and we all want it all. Hmm? So... Hmm? As Darwin told it, one living being is food for another. And, the, and for existence is a struggle. Vedanta is Godi for ending that struggle altogether. Hmm? And so the Bhagavatam does not, um, it's not about historical continuity and uh, uh, measurable history. It never states that it's a history book in the modern sense of history. What it is, is it is a, it's a drawing upon narratives that come even before it. This is the last word, the Bhagavatam, in Vyasa's authorship, as it's thought, uh, of, of the sacred text of India, this final word. So he's drawing, you can find the narratives of the Bhagavatam in, in, in other Puranas, uh, parts of them in, in, in Upanishads and so forth. And so he's drawing upon those narratives to make a particular point with them. Hmm? Hmm? In Bhagwat, hmm? this 
it's not that the Hindus were without science. They, they, the math comes from, from Hinduism, of course. Einstein paid a tribute once to the Hindus. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do any science. They found zero. And there was a lot there, apparently. Uh, but they didn't use numbers to come up with zero. <laughs> no, they, they, came, they wanted to come up with value. Consciousness is what gives value to things. So they wanted to pursue... Uh, the, the, the value center, if you will, consciousness itself. So they framed uh, with with m- mathematical calculations. Hmm? You know, these yugas, it's very interesting how it all works, 12 and 12 and this and that. And so it's very uh, uh, interesting use of, of numbers and whatnot. And it has to do with uh, this, uh, looking at the uh, the stars and so forth. It's, it's not just, they just made up some ideas. But they used math but for the purpose of creating allegories involving human action and time hmm, that would foster, if, if, if pursued, a meditative mind that would open the doors to another world, the world that underlies the, uh, the surface of matter, kind of like beneath the sea there's a world there, hmm, and so many fishes, and so, so to go... To go, to go, to go uh, be beneath the surface of, of appearances of matter was their idea. It's a very different approach. Hmm? And again, what they were interested in is is not um, it's not a linear narrative. Uh, it's it's a it's it's liminal. It's it it's it's speaking about the Bhagavatam. It's representing that place between time and eternity. Hmm? Where time and eternity meet, to it, for the purpose of helping us cross over and enter into eternity, where the finite and the infinite meet. Here's a book, so this is time, right, and space. Mm-hmm. But the subject matter in the book transcends time and space. So if you approach it properly, mm-hmm. that's your experience. Therefore, we 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 hold the book sacred and so forth. But it's only pages and paper and ink and glue and so forth. Mm-hmm. No, if you approach it properly, your experience is entirely different. Hmm? So it's a meeting place between time and eternity, and it's meant to take us to the other side, so to speak, hmm? from the measurable to the immeasurable, hmm? all things possible, hmm? F- to, 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 from unconsciousness, matter has no consciousness, no experience, to, to experience, to consciousness. That is the very word Chaitanya means, consciousness. Hmm? And uh, to Krishna consciousness, this is the idea. So we haven't got to be bothered about whether or not these yuga cycles and this idea it, it, it sinks with or harmonizes with or fits with modern thinking. It's, there's just very different worldviews for very different purposes, and we can live very comfortably in the world of the Bhagwat, if you will. And uh, save ourselves a lot of trouble. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, to use the mind here for studying this world and its possibilities, that will soften the heart. Hmm. As the heart becomes softened, that we come to, again, this idea. That will be the most compelling evidence. Hmm. So we're looking at this verse from Bhagavad Gita. Okay, so yada yada hi dharmasya glani bhavati bhavati. He comes in every yuga. There must be a Kali yuga, therefore, that God comes in and 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we give evidence from Bhagavatam, is a good candidate for being the avatar for the, for the Kali Yuga, and he, he does the chanting, which is said to be the method for Kali Yuga, and so on and so forth. Hmm. But uh, while we're moving in the direction of the idea, really, the central idea that we're coming to, that, that by example one should teach, in other words, if you can get bhava, you can teach, you can spread bhakti, Krishna Shakti Binenahi Tar Pravartan. Without Krishna Shakti, you cannot effectively spread Sankirtan. It's not just a singing exercise, it's not just an academic exercise. Krishna Shakti Binenahi Nam Sankirtan. So, this is what spreads it. Therefore, we are have to emphasize to the, our friends and students that, that they must practice. Practice makes perfect. The, the practice is, is, is perfection. As much as their practice um, approaches perfection, as much as they affect the lives of others and suspend their logic in their reasoning, which can never unto itself satisfy anyone. This reasoning has been put on the altar in, modern, in Western society and it should be thrown off. And that's not an unreasonable proposal. So we're coming to that, but before we go to, to, to that idea and how it fits here with what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was about and the, and the verses from the third chapter that he cites next, it's worth talking about this Sambhavami Duge Duge here in the second verse hmm, a little bit differently. Sambhavami Duge Duge, it means I come yuga after yuga. So we tend to think of that, well, I mean, there's the Sati Yuga, the Treta Yuga, the Dwarpa Yuga, the Kali Yuga, so he comes in all of these in the form of, a, of the Yuga avatar and so on and so forth. But it's Krishna speaking here also. True, all the different Yuga avatars are manifestations of himself, different faces of himself hmm, for different purposes and so forth. But the other way to look at it, Krishna speaking, he's saying, I come Yuga after Yuga. Me, personally. Hmm? I am Swayam Bhagawan. I come Yuga after Yuga. When we look at it like that, then we means it means yuga after yuga. I come, I come in a day of Brahma, and I come in another day of Brahma, and I come in another day of Brahma, and I come in another day of Brahma. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur has said in his in his tikka on this verse, it could be looked at once in a day of Brahma. He's referring to, and Krishna we know comes once in a day of Brahma. I used to think, well, where's the evidence for that? You know, where's the scripture that says that? And I thought, well. Everywhere it says he only comes, that's when he comes. <laughs> There's the evidence. It never talks about him coming personally at any other time. Hmm? He comes. The idea is, of course, the whole day of Brahma, that's a whole big topic we're not going into at the moment, but he comes once in a long time. Hmm? And so the, the implication is that that's time for paying attention. And when he comes at that, it's important, when he comes at that time, he comes to showcase his leela, thereby attract people, he teaches the Gita and so forth. Hmm? Um, but there's a problem. Hmm? And this is the problem that Krishnadas has begun with when he said he returns to the unmanifest Leela and he thinks back, what have I done? I went to showcase my Leela. Hmm? But in the Gita, I myself have said, more or less, unless one... T- teaches by example, nobody's going to follow. Hmm? So we come to the next verse. Mm-hmm. 
Sankarasya Chakartasyam Upanayam Ima Praja. These are two verses from the third third chapter of the Gita. So now we've got four of them. Basically, again, in essence, Krishna is saying here that unless that 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 uh, example speaks louder than precept. Hmm? You have to walk your talk to you put it in common language, or otherwise nobody's going to listen. Hmm? So Krishna's gone to the spiritual sky and he thought, I came down there, I wanted to showcase my Leela and so forth. I told people about it, Sarva Dharma and put it Yaja Mami come Sharanam Braja. Sri Ramarsh gave a beautiful interpretation of the text with feeling. We want that, as I said, you know, give up all the... He says, if you want to know me and my teachings of the Gita, you have to give up religion. Throw it out. Hmm? Bring Sam Harris in the room and all the, Richard Dawkins. We're throwing out religion here. This is our religion. Our religion is to throw out religion. Hmm? Uh, and we, that means to say what? We want to go to the heart of the religious experience, not the, ex- the externals of it, where we identify with... I'm in this sect, you're in that sect, we have differences, we should fight. You shave your head, we grow long hair. You know, and you sing this song, we sing that song, this kind of thing. Hmm? Um, that has given religion a bad bad name. Go to the heart of that, hmm? where, there's, where there's only unity. Hmm? Unity in the context of diversity that's beautif- that beautifies, ornaments the unity and so forth. Hmm? So, he says... You've got to give up religion if you want to know me. Hmm. Give up religion and take shelter of me. Come to me and brudge. This is not a, this is not a, there's no religion going on there. It's only superficial. They worship Narayan on Sunday, but uh, they're always thinking of me, actually. Hmm. They don't recite the Vedas there. They're only milking cows, but all the, all the Vedas are, are said, the verses are said to be cows, udders. Hmm. So it's a, Beautiful. You got the whole land of milk, ocean of milk. Milk is affection. That's what it is. Affection of the cow for the calf. Hmm? Krishna's abode is, is, is described like a, surrounded by an ocean of milk. Golok, place of, of, of cows, full of affection. Hmm? And cows, of course, are givers. So, hmm? you get, I mean, grass grows for free on the ground. And what, you, what they get for that, what they give from taking the grass is so much, so valuable for the human society. So this is kind of the idea. Hmm? Gopal, he takes care of those who give. You think, if I give, who's going to take care of me? This is, ah, Gopal will come. Hmm? Of course, we have to give to Gopal. We have to give comprehensively. We cannot give comprehensively without finding a center that can take fully. Hmm? So if you want to give comprehensively, you have to give without any expectation of getting, and you have to give in a place that can actually take everything. This is the idea of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. He can take everything. And in the context of taking everything, he gives everything. Like the stomach, you feed the stomach only. You don't feed the tongue, you don't feed the hand. Use the hand and the tongue to feed the stomach, and the stomach, like no other organ, distributes the food to every other part of the body. So the center is a giver, appearing as 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 the taker. In reality, is the giver because love. Hmm? That's what it's about. That's why I say to be controlled by love is not a problem. To be controlled physically, that's a problem. If I lock you in a room, you're going to just ah, let me out. If I control you mentally, 
It's more subtle. You may not know you're being controlled, but your friend will know and say, you've got to get out of there. He's bad. He's bad for you. So as we go up from physical to mental, the control becomes more subtle but, but more powerful at the same time. Hmm? You could be mentally controlled and not even know it, hmm? manipulated psychologically and so forth, whereas in, locked in a jail, you know you're in there and you just want out. Hmm? You're locked in by psychological manipulation and you don't even know it and you don't want out. Hmm? Problem. So if the control goes from physical to mental and from mental the heart, controlled by love. Now, is that a problem? No, because if I control you by love, if I love you, then you love me. <laughs> I become controlled by you. Hmm? So, and the fact that you're being controlled is, 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 is not apparent. Hmm? That's why Krishna doesn't appear to be the supreme controller in a crude sense. Controlling by affection, by love. What power does he have? He himself is, is, is wondering if Radha loves him. Hmm? Hmm? He's, 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 he's crying in his childhood, in his youth, childhood, because he doesn't get enough sweets, yogurt and butter, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Nanda would make such an argument. Hmm? When he would do something fantastic like the Govardhan Leela and lifting the Govardhan Hill, and the other cowards would think, well, what's going on here? You know, it looks like, these are like godly powers. It does, it does look like that, but let's look at it again. You know, just the other day, he was stealing butter and yogurt, and I mean, this isn't God. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> okay, thanks for, non is like getting their heads back on straight, you know, something like that. Hmm? So controlling it by love, by affection, this is his, 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 his position. Hmm? So this person, anyway, he... He, he's gone to the spiritual world. He thinks, I've, I've, I've showcased my Leela, but there's a problem. Hmm? In the Gita, I said, one should teach by example. I taught by example in one sense. In the Gita context, I was the upholder of Dharma. Hmm? I dutifully did my role as a, as a, as a prince hmm? and so forth. And I said there, if I don't, exemplify this, who, who will follow it. Hmm? But what about my Brajalila, which I really wanted to share with people? I did it, hmm? but it, but people might think, hmm, he went against the Dharma there. He didn't behave properly even. Hmm? How will that be understood? I have to return. This is the idea. I have to return and I have to teach by example. Hmm? I said it myself, now I have to do that. Hmm? This is the Acharya-lila. Achar means behavior. Hmm? Today we're celebrating the appearance of the Acharya. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the founder, Acharya, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Jiva Goswami says in Sarasambhadini, founder of his own Sampradaya. Sampradayas, he said. Lineages. Hmm? All streams coming from, from Advaita, from Nityananda, from Gadadhar, and so, from Bhaktivinoda in the modern age, and so on and so forth. Hmm? All these, uh, I'm the founder of this. I am the Samasti Guru, hmm? the, 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 the macrocosmic guru of the Sampradaya. And then there's the, 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 uh, hmm, the Vyasti, the microcosmic guru in the Parampara and so forth. He's very close to us. Hmm? We, should, we have to look carefully, though. We have to look closely from a distance. 
Guru is like the fire, so you need fire to keep warm and to cook. But if you get too close, you can get burned. How to understand this tattva, this guru tattva, appearing in this world, sakshadaritena, samastha shastraya, very difficult. Hmm? Divinity in human dress, very difficult to understand. Hmm? We get too close and we may get burned, we may get, we may, we see, oh, okay. He sleeps, I sleep. He eats, what's the difference? Hmm? Something like this. So we have to find the right distance and it means we have to, we have to associate philosophically as I began, theologically, hmm? understand what is the underpinning, what, what, is, what, what, is, the, what is the math hmm? behind the movements that are, that are attractive to us and bring us in and so forth. And we'll be um, in, in, in a good position to get closer hmm? and warmer and so forth. Hmm? So, acharya, hmm? achab means behavior. Hmm? Mahaprabhu is the Acharya, the Sampradaya, and he emphasized this point. Hmm? He, this is Krishna in his Leela as the Acharya. So we call it the Acharya Leela. His point was that he taught primarily by example. Therefore, we don't find any significant, well, in terms of volume, I want to say, literary contribution of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We find eight verses of Shikshasakam. Hmm? We don't find extensive commentaries on Vedanta Sutra and so on and so forth. We find an example, and we find these extraordinary events in the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the conversion of Sarvabhoma by silence, the conversion of Venkatabhatta, the head priest of the Ramanuja Sampradaya, by joking, Prakashananda hmm? Saraswati, by, by humility and so forth. Not long dissertations and... He gave long dissertation to Rup Sanatan. After Sarabhama, a, a, a teachable moment was created in Prakashananda. Then he, he taught more, of course, but primarily by example. This is the emphasis in Gaudiya Sampradaya. Hmm? We should teach by example. Hmm? And so Krishna Das is saying hmm, that as Krishna said in the Gita, hmm, no one will follow unless I teach by example. Remembering his own words in the Gita, the implications of them. There must be a descent of Krishna that doesn't just say, surrender to me and go to Braj. Like Sridhar gave a beautiful interpretation, as I said earlier. Give up religion and Sharanam Braja, come to me. And the word Braj, while it means here go or come to me, it also has a meaning that comes to our mind when we hear it, brudge. Oh, that means the brudge. Hmm? So this is another way of, a word may have a common understanding, hmm? and other, what it means grammatically, hmm? uh, what it commonly means may take precedence over what it means grammatically when you say it. So, so he's saying, Krishna's saying, give up religion, come to me in brudge. Hmm? Live with me in Braj. Sarvadharman pritya mami kam sharanam braja. He said it, as Prabhupada used to say. But then what? How do you do it? And what are the implications of that life there and so forth? Hmm? Krishna, this is his afterthought. I have to deal with that. What are the, what, what, I have to go and teach by example. Hmm? And here we find 
he he taught as an achari. He took sannyasi, he became a sannyasi, and he's meditating on Radha and Krishna's lila. So we have to think this must not be what it what it looks like on the surface. There must be more to it than that. Hmm? So example speaks louder than precept. This is a very strong emphasis of of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sampradaya. We have to become examples of the teaching, and as we do so. Hmm? then we can give novel explanations of the texts, like Krishnadas is giving here, in a sense. Finding evidence in Bhagavad Gita for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And people will say from one point of view, well, it doesn't, like I said earlier, it doesn't really say that. But it's saying it to me, and look how it's making me feel and act accordingly. And, 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 and we find that's compelling, that's desirable. And so then you throw out everything else. Hmm? This is how bhakti is, is, is actually spread, hmm? by bhav. Hmm? Hmm. So, with this we will seem to have run out of time here at the closing of the door. We'll stop for a moment. Any quick thought, comment, correction, question, we'll entertain. What is the time? 7.23. Okay, we have a little bit of time. You know, I said this is well, so we tied in here briefly. And you know, this is the appearance of the Acharya Day, the Vyasa Puja. So it's a day to remind us of how we should be. The Guru is not some external kind of imposition upon ourselves, but uh, as we heard this morning in beautiful words of Pujapad Sridharmarsh, there is the Mahant, the external Guru, and Kaviraj Goswami has made this point, and then there is Guru within the heart, hmm? Chaitu Guru. The, the external manifestation of the guru is is the is the God in the heart coming out to help us pay attention. Uh, the, the, this voice in the heart is covered over by the head, so he comes out in a way that you you kind of have to you're confronted by. Hmm? <clears throat> Difficult to not hear and, uh, and and to rationalize away and so forth. So this is a very powerful and merciful dispensation. Of the guru, people want to think the guru is in the heart. Why do I need a guru? We agree, the guru is in the heart. <laughs> That's why you need a guru, because the heart is buried and it's atrophied, uh, and you cluttered up other things there, and you feel a little crowded. So he comes out. <laughs> All right, you don't want me there? I'll come outside, and I'll deal with your head and your and your senses from outside in such a way as to get everything out of your heart that's there, so I can have a place in the heart. And home is where the heart is. Where the heart is, that's where we'll go. So Shri said, for home-going, a home-knowing man, home-knowing person, that is required. Hmm? So the day to celebrate the Acharya then brings to mind uh, his appearance in our lives, in the world, the importance of achar, of character, of behavior. Hmm? And of course we have to understand behavior means behavior in terms of bhakti. We cannot judge the Acharya by other standards necessarily. If we were to judge Gorkishore Das Babaji by um, modern um, PC standards and uh, um, what constitutes balance and uh, uh, functional as to dysfunctional behavior and so forth, <laughs> we would dispense with him altogether. And so that's why it's important to understand the, the tattva, the philosophy. Hmm? then we know what to expect. We're in a different world here. Hmm? And we know what to expect. Otherwise, we're looking from a different vantage point. We're going to say, he's nice, but, but he did that, but he's like this. And, and, 
But the more you go inside, you understand, oh, there's, they have the different laws here. There's a different, there's a different motivation, and so there's a different uh, uh, conduct. I mean, it will be good. It will be good for us and so forth. But it may not always feel good for us in terms of our sense of self based on mind and senses and, and so on. It's meant to destroy that. Hmm? I had a fellow tell me, I was really compassionate in all instances except the one instance where I, you know, <laughs> I turned it on him. Now, if I would say, this is my oh, weird, see, this, this is illusion, this is illusion. And, yes, uh, no. now you're an illusion. Wait a minute. No. That, so, so, it's for this. So, good behavior. Acharya means, Acharya means who, who teaches by, primarily by example. So, we are to think then, to one extent, on a day like this, that we should come to exemplify. That is the idea. What the guru represents. He is our prospect. She is our prospect coming before us. I've told before this nice story many years ago. A disciple of mine was had uh, was asked by a friend after she had joined that I hope you're happy there. Hmm? That's all. I hope that when you look in the mirror you're actually smiling. Hmm? And she wrote back to him and said, Actually, when I look in the mirror, I'm not smiling because what I see there is something different than what I thought, what I used to see. I'm seeing myself through the eyes of my guru, and I realize, oh, I have some ground to cover. I have some improvement to make. Uh, so, but when I look at my guru, then I smile. Hmm? So this is the our prospect, what we could be like. Hmm? We're not. This isn't. I don't like this distance here. Hmm? It's about one and six or eight inches. I don't like that distance. Hmm? I want everybody to sit here. Uh, this is for <laughs> we're making for making gurus here, not for making making students. This is the idea. So, all of you uh, should try to improve your um, your character in the context of what constitutes bhakti. Hmm? This we should be reminded of on a day like this. When we've spoken about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in this way, Krishna's acharya leela hmm? hmm? to teach himself by his example. What is the nature of the Braj Bhakti? What, how to attain it, and so on and so forth. So, what else? Any thoughts? Yes. Um, in the Kikanjari, uh, I believe the uh, Prabhupada said that the is self effulgent. And um, uh, he said that Sri Vaishnava is there not able to recognize a guru. Uh, and they criticize the guru and so forth and so on. So, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared in the Charya Lila, but there are so many Vaishnavas who don't recognize Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Krishna. Alright? You know, there's a sexy, entire sex of Vaishnavas that don't recognize Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Krishna. Mm-hmm. So, but it's he's self-fulgent to us. So, it's, so self, and, and then there's uh, Plenty person and plenty of people who don't might not recognize Prabhupada, recognize this person or that one as being qualified to be guru, but they are self-fulfilling to their disciples. Yeah. In a sense, you know. So, if a person doesn't recognize something, uh, a person who is guru or uh, even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, do we take it that they're not sincere or they're just covered over with another type of feeling? You know, is it like, for instance, the whole Ramanuja sect or something, or people that don't recognize Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they're not sincere Vaishnava, they have some 
problem with sincerity, or they're just mm -hmm. different bottom there? Well, one thing is that the fact is that the four Vaishnava Sampradayas are all weak at this time. They're very weak. Hmm. Gaudi Vaishnav, comparatively, hmm, is strong. It has credence in, in, in you know out, out, outside of India, and it's flourishing, growing, and so forth, at a, at a rate in Embarka Sampradaya, Balava Sampradaya. <laughs> They're not growing. Madhva Sampradaya, yeah. Ramanuja, a little bit. Hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you can find... Hundreds of people wearing Ramanuja tilak in India have no idea what Ramanuja philosophy is and so forth. Hmm? Gaudiya Sampradaya has, has comparatively much more currency in the world today. I told a story before of a guy who was a member of Gaudiya um, Sampradaya and a Prabhupada's sect, and he got frustrated with it for different reasons. Familiar story, but um, his were problems philosophically, and he went to the Ramanuja Sampradaya. Hmm? And so then he went to Sri, and he got initiated in the Ramanuja Sampradaya and officially a Brahmin and had the thing put on his head and all that stuff. And so then he went to enter into the Sri Rangam temple and they said, first you've got to be a Hindu. Hmm? And he said, well, I'm a, I'm a Hindu and here's my papers and here I'm initiated and everything. No, no, you can't get in, can't get in. Can't get in. They wouldn't let him in. He became so frustrated and just by habit, he said, Hare Krishna. They said, oh, Hare Krishna, come in. <laughs> you can come in. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it has some force, some power. This is what Bhaktivinoda Thakur was talking about when he said, all the sampradayas have come under the influence of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Whether they recognize it or not, they're actually a good amount of their life in modern times is coming from the work of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and particularly our lineage, of the Bhaktivinoda Parivar, the work of, uh, of our Guru Maharaj, Yesi Bhaktivinanta Swami Prabhupada, hmm? kind of built a bridge across the ocean, other people walking across it, you know, to some extent, but easily. That's it. So, Gaudiya Sampradaya is powerful in, in, in Kali Yuga at this time. And at the same time, uh, many people in Ramanuja Sampradaya, they don't know, they haven't heard arguments about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? So, you know, in any in, in any depth, um, some may and may resist. So let's talk about them. Are they sincere or are they just in another bhava? It could be both. They could be insincere, not recognize the work of great devotees, or they could recognize it but not want to be part of it hmm? per se because of being uh, part in a substantial way of their own uh, particular. Bhava. I'll give you an example. I was once in South India at a, at a Sanskrit school, and I was invited there with some other devotees, and uh, and we were taking lunch. And the fellow, the scholar there, was a, a, a devotee of Narayan. And he was very friendly. He had invited us. Very nice man. And uh, and so we were we were taking prasad. And my godbrother Narsinghamar says, "You know, I forget the man's name, but he said so and so. You know, we, we were having Krishna Katha." as we were taking prasad. And he was very jolly, so the Shingamara said, whenever we have Krishna Kata, I find that you become very jolly. He said, oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and then he said, but um, if we talk about Narayan, he said, that is another thing. 
like that. And I went, oh, man, this guy's from Vaikuntha. Holy cow, I thought. That is another thing. It's like, wow, I thought. That was really beautiful. I was really charmed by that. So here's a person who, who was very much appreciative of Gaudi Sampradaya, but it wasn't his thing at the same time. But he had a thing that was substantial, meaningful, and so forth. I mean, it's said that people in Vaikuntha don't even know about what is really Goloka, or to speak about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So there's a Vaikuntha perspective that's certainly valuable that doesn't acknowledge Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the same way that we do, doesn't it? But to really be part of that substantially, hmm, there'll be evidence for such, and some of the evidence will be that some appreciation for what we're doing, although they, they don't want to participate. I may see that someone is an empowered devotee, but for certain reasons, I may not want to participate with that devotee in his particular campaign, or, or to some extent I might, but not entirely. I have other services that I might have been asked and so forth, and responsibilities for my own gurus and certain line or way of teaching and so forth. So there's a place for that, for acknowledging someone but not fully participating in the way that the disciples say, oh, he's, he's self-effulgent, everybody should be following him. And, and, and then the, that is a question of how much they're actually understanding what, 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 it, what self-effulgent means. I think they have an overblown idea of self-effulgent that, that causes them to think, if everybody doesn't see my guru like I do, they're a demon. They're obviously, there's something wrong with them. Hmm? It doesn't have to be like that. It can be both. Hmm? You can see them and see differently. Hmm? And there are many people that saw and appreciated Prabhupada, but you know, participated differently than, than, for example, his disciples did. So, um, so I think there's, you know, there's, there's, there's instances of both, where there could be, there are people who are offensive and, and can't, can't really see uh, spirituality when it manifests, even though they have the tra- all the trappings of a sadhaka themselves, and, and a lot of guru worship and, and, and so forth, and it's just hollow. Hmm? Because when it's played out, the implications of it are other people, they're offending other Vaishnavas and so forth. So that we, that we want to avoid. Um, does that help? Yeah. 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 So there's, there's uh, let's say, degrees. The person can be sincere in degrees, so to speak. Well, I know I wouldn't say that. Krishna, yeah, Krishna and the devotees and so on and so forth. But well, I wouldn't say, for example, that that, that man who was a devotee of Narayan was insincere at all. Mm-hmm. He recognized, but but he had his own bhav. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, so we, he was self-effulgent to me <laughs> so, in, his, in his own way. So. <laughs> in the Ramanuja Sampradaya, not only Ramanuja, but the 12 Alwars who preceded him are all considered tremendously effulgent acharyas in that yeah, they have their own self-effulgent acharyas, exactly. I mean, yeah. yeah. They, they also have a place for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, a perspective on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. At Sri Rangam, there's, a, there's the deity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu standing at the Garuda Stamba, hmm, and so forth. Krishna's commerce is very generous. When he makes a very strong argument, Chaitanya Charitamrita, that Krishna is the source of Narayan, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna, he says, but some people think him as an avatar of, of Mahavishnu. That's not very flattering, but it's, so, it's not bad. I mean... <laughs> He's an avatar of Mahavishnu. That's not very flattering, he says. But anyway, it's an, it's an angle of vision. Hmm? It's, on, it's, it's acceptable. Hmm? We, we see something a little differently. So, 
that's beautiful. We, we, we like that kind of thing. But this, in the name, really what goes on, unfortunately, a lot of times, in the name of Aracharya self-effulgent is that the people who are saying it don't even know what it, what it means and the implications of it and so forth. And they have kind of a, of a religious, religious fanaticism that's, that really the lights are out there, hmm? unfortunately. So, what else? A question from the broadcast. Okay. Indra Nunja asks, why did Srila Bhaktisiddhanta choose the Madhva Sampradaya when he was choosing the Parampara? Well, um, there was no other Sampradaya that you could choose that would ha- that, that you could make a, a case for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, Parampara being connected to. You couldn't make the case that he was connected to the Ramanuja Sampradaya or the Nimbarka or the Balabha Sampradaya, but you could make a case that he's connected with the Madhva Sampradaya through Ishwar Puri, through Madhavendra Puri, and uh, they were they were sannyasis prior to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sampradaya, and his guru, his Param Guru. They had to come from some Sampradaya. Hmm? They weren't Advaitins, they were Vaishnavas, and um, the Puri name, Sanyas name, it does appear um, in, I think, in the in the Madhva lineage in in, in, in some uh, some sannyasis. Uh, um, so anyway, there's a lot. That's a long story. The evidence for that, but there's more evidence to support that. But that's really an academic argument in in, in a sense because it only has importance in as much as one verse is taken very seriously, which says that in Kali, there's only there are four Vaishnav sampradayas. If you don't get your mantra from one of these four sampradayas, then it will bear no fruit. And so here comes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's got to have be connected to one of these four sampradayas. Or so if you take that verse seriously, which is not in all manuscripts, so some people don't care about it. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started his own sampradaya, and what does it mean to start a sampradaya? Well, you have to have. Although he didn't write, his followers wrote extensively and commented on all the important texts and give interpretations of them that, well, okay, you could think of it like that, so, yeah, yeah, you're all right. You know, you thought it out, you reasoned about your feelings, and you supported it from the sacred text. Um, it's a different interpretation, but, and and then you've got the, the feeling to correspond, so you're, you're a bona fide lineage, something like that. So some people don't, some godis don't don't even care to make that connection. Bhakti Vinod was concerned to make that connection that there that uh, there there wouldn't be that kind of criticism of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sampradaya. It becomes more and more irrelevant as time goes on. Hmm. But I think what's not irrelevant is 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 the idea that your religious experience should have some kind of support from sacred texts that talk about the nature of religious experience more extensively than than any others. Hmm. What else? Yes. In a sense, that's what the sacred texts are. It's people's religious experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's just um, it's a down or transmitted. It goes in a circle. A generation like that. Yeah. And I think it's um, it's really so beautifully brought out that there's not like concrete evidence that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is like an avatar. Krishna. It's, it's all it's all based on the beautiful interpretations of the Gaudiya Charis 
and their experiences, their, their direct religious experiences. So it's just so, it's profound to recognize how much of our, what we kind of, um, the way we live our lives now, today, within the majority of communities, is not based on what we know. It, it's based on our shraddha. It's based on mm-hmm. Sometimes we, we think we know, but we actually don't. It's, it's actually, it's just shraddha. We don't actually know. Mm-hmm. Or even, we don't actually know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was even there 530 years ago. We don't know that. But we have intense, strong shraddha that that's the case. Well, I was, you could make the arg- better argument for Krishna on that one, but I mean, even from a from a modern, but 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 then what you say, we we know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was there, that there's there because there's modern history to support it, you know. So if you want to use that kind of a Christian argument, you know, historicity of Christ's appearance, but we know that Krishna existed, although there's no history for that, because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu <laughs> existed. And what is he? What is he? He's love of Krishna. How can there be love of Krishna without Krishna? So, yeah, that's what I'm saying, and you're, you're, you're saying something along the same lines. You may not believe in God, but it's hard not to believe in love of God when you see it. Hmm? And if there's love of God, there must be God. So where is Krishna? Hmm? He's in the hearts of his devotees. So all those leelas are being performed somewhere in the heart near you. Uh, it should be <laughs> coming soon to a heart near you. That should be the idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, again, we're making the argument: Jai Radhe, Jai Radhe. So Bhakti Devi. This is this is this is, this is the center. Hmm? So stop there. Okay. See Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ki Jai. Shri Gorpani Mahamotsvatiti ki jai, Shri Vyasa Puja ki jai, Gaur Premanande, Gaur.